Good evening for those in the house and those that are watching online to our midweek service. Uh, we take a little intimate time to walk through the word and we've been, we started off uh, last week just talking about not being ashamed. Uh, going to open up with Ezekiel 3. I apologize. Last week I gave you Exodus 3, um, but it's Ezekiel 3. Uh, pastor didn't text me by the time I got home to, to let me know. Shared the wrong scripture. So Ezekiel 3, 18 through 23. Ezekiel 3, 18 through 23. And so we talked about last week, you know, just being in a position where we wouldn't put blood on our hands. But it says uh, uh, in the Amplified, classic Amplified version, it says, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not give him warning or speak to warn the wicked to turn from his wicked ways, to save his or her life, the same wicked man or woman shall die in their inequity. I said there, I know it says his. Uh, but his blood or their blood will I require at your hand. Yet if I warn the, yet if you warn the wicked, and I'm going to put in there they, and they turn not from their wickedness and from their wicked way, they shall die in their iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Again, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness or their righteousness, right doing and right standing with God, and some, and some gift or providence which I lay before him or her, uh, he or she perverts into an occasion to sin in and commits iniquity, they shall die. Because you have not given them warning uh, they shall die in their sin and their righteous deeds which they have done shall not be remembered right but their blood I will require at your hand nevertheless if you warn the righteous man not to sin and he does not sin he shall surely live because he is warned also you have delivered yourself from guilt now what's so interesting as we talked about you know, um, actually, you have to, if, if you're watching this, I'm going to share the scripture with you, but uh, I was thinking through it, but I was working at the same time I was talking to somebody today. But, but look at this. Like, this is pretty clear. So it's not saying beat somebody up. It's not saying don't love a person. It's not saying that you're passing sentence on a person. What it's saying is people are passing sentence on themselves by their actions, our job is to make them aware. Do you realize when you do that, this is the reality or, or this is the effect of that cause, you know, cause and effect, you know, but it says, I like, well, I want to say I like, but I like from this angle, we try to excuse unrighteousness by saying maybe what a person has even done, but we don't know what a person has done to impact somebody's life. But this says if that righteous man turns from, from, uh, turns from what God has gifted them to do, it says their righteousness will be remembered no more. It's almost as if they didn't have the impact. And in some particular case, when you impact people and then you cross over to compromise, well, that person, what's kept them, you know? So sometimes they believe you, they cross over and they're trying to live for God and they're tempted. 
But what's keeping them is they keep getting a flash of you living right, encouraging them. Well, if they can resist the temptation, I can too. When you fall, then they go, what was I trying to keep up with or resist sin for? You know, look, they didn't even, you know, you know, they, you know, they can get offended and all types of things. You see that? All right, so, so again, we can't be ashamed and we have to start addressing behavior. You know, I have conversations with people now and I inquire, I ask questions. I go, hey, okay, how'd you consider this? You know, so that's, some of y'all been around, that's my line. So let me ask you something. Have you considered this? <laughs> um, you know, just to try to get them to realize. You know, Ma- uh, Matthew 19, uh, Jesus said, but he looked at them and said, with men it is impossible. 1926, it says, but all things are possible with God. Do you understand you can't be ashamed to, to make that kind of statement? Oh, with men it is impossible. Think about it. You're talking to somebody, they're in an impossible situation, Stephanie. And they're, they're, they're breaking, you know how you talk to somebody and they're frantic. And they say, but you don't understand, you don't understand. You go, no, God can take care of it. But you don't understand, you don't understand. It's impossible. And you go, oh, no, no, with men it is impossible. No, God, all things are possible. Do you understand? You, you can't be ashamed to say that. Because some people won't say that because they're like, well, just in case this don't work out, I don't want to look back. <laughs> right? So... Yeah, that does seem pretty insurmountable. I can't say something that hit you with, I can't say, it's, you know, it's going to change or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, let's look here at Acts chapter 4. You know, Acts is so wonderful, um, you know, because we see, of course, it's the Acts of the Apostle, but we see after Jesus had went through his, his basically, how to really apply this word and this life training, you know, as the Gospels are discussing, Acts is, you know, him being ascending um, and them being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then once they start filled, once they got filled, they started operating the gifts of the Spirit as 1 Corinthians 12 highlights. So, you know, you have the guy at the gate. And Jesus said, well, silver and go- uh, no, Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I'll give to you. So you, you get up, <laughs> right? So now you got healing operating not just through Jesus, but through the disciples. So they're on the roll here. You know, they've discovered something, the power of God, the gifts of God. And it was nothing else more important. Uh, uh, promotions, what the boss say. Things that wasn't important. So here in Acts, you know, once they started to operate in this, you know, they brought before, you know, Peter and John was brought before leaders. Um, and, you know, because, you know, they healed the guy and they looked at that as, you know, you operating some type of witchcraft, <laughs> you know. So, so now they're being criticized. So they can, they can shrink or they can represent. You know, it's exciting, but now the government is coming at me. And so verse 23, you know, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start at verse 23, but I was going to start at verse 23. Um, let's start up here. I was going to get to this anyway. 
Do I want to do that now or do I want to get to it? Um, all right, we'll start at verse 23 and then I'll, I'll come back to it. You know, I'll come back to uh, verse uh, 13. Verse 23, it says, being let go, uh, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Chief priests grabbed them. We'll talk about this in a few minutes. And, you know, they trying to question them, but they couldn't really corner them because signs and wonders took place, right? So they let them go. They came back to their own company, right? <laughs> Hopefully we have our own company to come back to, right? It says, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice when they told them everything that happened, they lifted up their voice with one accord, again on the same page, and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. It says, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For, so now this is, they're praying this. And they're saying, for, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, look at this. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy words. So they're saying, they're coming at us, but grant us the boldness to, to respond to them. It says, by stretching forth thy hand to heal. Now, this is going to assist our boldness. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. What's happening? <laughs> uh it says, and, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, the interesting thing is, they were already filled. Now, that's why Scripture says, be being filled, continue to be filled. Because remember, Dan got filled in the upper room, <laughs> right? But after this prayer, God endorsed the prayer by filling them up, right? And look, they wanted to operate in boldness. So to, to operate, to not be ashamed, we're going to need boldness. We're going to need some pastor melody, you know, right, to operate in, in this boldness. You know, think about it. Elijah, in the midst of all these prophets, 450 prophets, he says, okay, y'all call on y'all God, and, and I'll call on my God. And the God that shows up is God. Do you understand you can't be ashamed it takes boldness to do that because Jezebel and these prophets was looking to take him out, <laughs> which, you know, he ran later, later on in the story. He lost his boldness, <laughs> right? But you see that? Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, that, that was cute. All right. So it says, uh, uh, so, so look, then the, remember Elijah, uh, uh, also, he goes to the widow woman, and she, he says, what's going on? Well, I'm about to make, it, make, make me a meal, and me and my child are going to die. So he says what? Make me a cake first. Okay, now, think, just, we just read that, just read right through it. 
Do you understand the boldness that it has to take for you to tell somebody the answer to your situation is give me some of your last? <laughs> you know, it, it takes a lot of boldness to do that, right? You know, take up thy bed and walk. That takes boldness. And see, so that's why, let's go here, um, let's go up to verse Acts 4, 13. Now, you know, backdrop, they, you know, they're filled, they're sharing their gospel. You know, verse 12, that says, neither is there salvation any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby men must be saved. So they're speaking at a certain level of boldness. Now, the interesting thing is the scripture says this in verse 13. It says, now when they saw their boldness. So they see this honor. It says, when they saw, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. So boldness looks, looks different on you. Right, it says, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> right? Look, and it says, beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They couldn't, people can't say anything against us representing God by operating in the boldness that manifests signs, wonders, and miracles. What are they going to say? You know, it said they could say nothing, right? And then they got, they got together and they says, well, if we come against them, the people are going to be in an uproar. The guy, everybody knows that this guy's been lame forever, so we really can't say no. So let's beat on, hit on them a little bit and send them out. And then that's when they send them away. And then, of course, they made that prayer. You know, think of uh, um, John in the wilderness. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Do you understand? You can't be ashamed operating boldness. You're talking about something that no one was talking about. You, you're, 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 you've, you've got a revelation and you're sharing something and you're not ashamed of sharing it because you believe. Noah building an ark. You're doing something that people are like, what are you talking about? You're building an ark for rain. Like, you're wasting time. You can't be ashamed to represent God. Look, Daniel was willing to keep his window open after the decree was made that if anybody worshiped any other God, what would happen to them? They'd go into the lion's den. He could have closed his door, window. They said it wasn't just that he continued to pray. He wanted them to see he was praying. <laughs> you see, he operated in a certain level of boldness there too. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? Listen, we, ain't bound, we can't bow down to no God. And matter of fact, we'll go ahead in the fire, and even if we get burnt, we're going to be burning believing God. <laughs> that, that means that was his will. But the circumstances are not going to change us representing God. We believe God no matter what. See, we don't even have to deal with uh, fiery furnaces and lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. We don't have to deal with none of that stuff. We're not building arcs. You know, on our level, can we represent God and not be ashamed? Look, look at here, uh, Proverbs 28. 
So we've been just talking about representing God, not being ashamed. And, and I get it. I get it. We're in a culture that tries to, as we talked about last week, flash flood us, you know, just tries to flash flood us. And, and we, we, the culture has trained us to operate into everybody. So if everybody's doing it, it's okay, right? If nobody's doing it, then it can't be legit because nobody else is doing it. Well, nobody else was building the ark. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And at the time when they started to, uh, to represent Christ originally, wasn't nobody doing that either. It was following the religious practices. So it's not about what everybody's doing. It's not about if everybody's taking a vaccine. But, but it's so easy to just conform because of everybody. We do that when we're driving. Everybody's in one line driving, so you, you feel like you got to get in that line. Then you feel stupid when you realize all you have to do is get in the other lane and just keep on driving, right? But something in us says, well, well surely I got to get over here because everybody else is doing it, right? That's not how we operate. All right, let's look at uh, 28, uh, verse 1, Proverbs 28, verse 1. It says, the wicked or the twisted, it says, flee when no man pursues. Basically, they're running from nothing, right? Or aimless. <laughs> aimless, you know, without aim. Uh, it says, but the righteous are bold as a lion. See, so, so the wicked are, 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 are constantly, well, this might happen, 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 that hasn't happened. But, the, but people that are bold aren't considering all those things. And that's, that's that God wants us to operate in that level of boldness. Uh, Acts 13, 46, I'll give you this. This is a, a classic Amplified version. Acts 13, verse 46. It says, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out plainly and boldly saying, it was, it was necessary that God's message concerning salvation through Christ should be spoken to you first. But since you thrust it from you, you pass this judgment on yourselves that you are unworthy of eternal life, and out of your own mouth you will be judged. Now, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Look, they boldly was like, oh, since you don't value this, we'll just go share it with the Gentiles. But it takes a level of boldness to do that. So boldness is what I call the force of liberty. So, so liberty is a freedom, but boldness is a force. It's the force of liberty. It's, boldness is void of fear. Boldness is void of fear. Um, let's look at Philippians. Somebody was talking to me about this today. So the scripture speaks, I guess, to that point. Philippians 1. Again, we're talking about not being ashamed. And again, we're talking about supernatural restoration and we and pieces and places, um, you know, you know, really ministering to family and friends, and, you know, because there's people lost, but nobody's going after the sheep. Well, that's not fair. A lot of people are not going after the sheep. I'm not saying nobody's going after the sheep. People right in front of us, we're so caught up in ourselves and our circumstances, we're not looking at the sheep right in front of our face. Uh, I'm going to just read it at a classic Amplified. It says, because I was willing, 
I was willing to even face prison. It says, and also most of the brethren have, most of the brethren have derived fresh confidence in the Lord because of my chains and are much more bold to speak and publish fearlessly the word of God, acting with more freedom and indifference to the consequences. Verse 14. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. I apologize. Yeah, so Paul said once he started to really step out and represent the gospel, more people operated boldly because he was in chains. He said they was able to speak bold. They, was, they were more bold to speak and publish fearlessly the word of God. And in the brackets it says acting more with more freedom and indifference to consequences. So indifference to consequences means I'm operating as if the consequences don't even, are not even happening. You know, when a person is indifferent, you're like, are they listening to me? Like, do they know that I'm here? <laughs> well, you want con- the circumstances and consequences going, do they understand I'm trying to, do they see me? They're supposed to worry about me. They're not supposed to continue to do that, Right? So if we cringe at boldness, the adversary can attempt to use us to smother one of God's greatest assets. So if we cringe at boldness, when it's time for us to bold, we shrink, right? The adversary can attempt to use us to smother one of God's greatest assets. That's called the truth in love. That's one of God's greatest assets, the truth in love. And the way, the way we can navigate through that is to not cringe when we have an opportunity to be bold. Just operate a matter-of-factly. You know, you know, don't get so, don't, don't, don't over, overthink situations. Just, just operate a matter-of-factly. It's helped me over the years. All right, John chapter 16, verse 8. So, this, so not being ashamed is something that, you know, remember Jesus came to show us how to operate and to, to navigate in this particular life. And John 16, 8 is a perfect example of this. It says, when he has come, look, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You know, sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of the world is judged. So he says he will reprove the world or come to convict the world of sin. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1.3. 1 Timothy 1.3. Another scripture says uh, when Christ comes, he's coming to divide. You know, know, people just think he's coming for peace, but he's coming to divide. And when it says he's coming to divide, he's coming to draw a line in the sand. Where, where sometimes we blur the lines because that works out, that's more comfortable, more convenient for us. All right, First Timothy 1 verse 3 Okay, I have a different version here. All right, it says, um, 
as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. It says, when I went, it says, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Another version of this says, when I left Macedonia, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who are teaching, whose teaching is contrary to the truth. And I didn't write the version down, but I believe it might be amplified. But when it says, stop those who, whose teaching is contrary to the truth, it says, challenge erroneous thinking. You know, so if somebody's teaching something that's contrary to the truth, you, you, if you don't address it, you permit it. And they'll carry it thinking it's okay. So addressing it doesn't mean, man, y'all know what you're talking about. You don't even have to go through all that. But you do want to address it like, okay, I noticed I heard you say this. But I've read in the word this. So how does that line up? You know, sometimes, remember when Apollos was teaching... It said that they went to him and, and, and taught him a more excellent way because he had the right heart. He just didn't have the accuracy. And there were some things he wasn't aware of. But Apollos wasn't like, what you trying to say? He was like, wow, I didn't realize that. Okay, I got you. You know, and uh, he went on to continue to minister to folk. All right, First Peter 3. Now, it's very hard to address or to challenge erroneous thinking. You know, I, you know. I don't know if I have a bad or good reputation where this is concerned. I know I do. I was sharing this with somebody today. I said, if you ever want to know, because the person was asking me, okay, so when you said that, would you think I was thinking this? I said, I I'm going to help you out. If, if there's a universal audience and things are being communicated, I, I have a responsibility. So if something is not really lined up with the word or it's, not, it's misunderstood, I'm not against the person. I just have to bring clarity because people will walk away thinking that's what we believe. So it's not personal. So when we, we, we communicate stuff out in a universal audience, um, for me, it's always about people. It's not about me. I'm not, it's just about people. It's making sure people get the truth and have at least clarity. I've been that way my whole life, you know. And so... Man, why, why, why did he say something, man? You could have did that privately. No, it was communicated publicly, and the people will walk away thinking that that's accurate. And so, so two things happen. The person actually gets clarity, and other people actually get clarity, too. Does that make sense? Right? And, you know, we have a responsibility to do that. And all you have to do is say, hey, let me give you another consideration. <laughs> right? You don't have to... Man, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not how we roll, <laughs> right? Because people are not necessarily trying to always be erroneous in their thinking, right? All right, so 1 Peter 3. I'm going to give you chapter and verse so, you know, I'm just not making this stuff up. Uh, I want to say, make sure I got this. Okay, verse 15. It says, but sanctify the Lord in your heart. That would be first, okay? Sanctify. Such as sanctify the Lord in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man. How many? Every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness 
and fear or reverence. You know, having, good, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ, right? Your, your manner of living in Christ. So be ready to give an answer, right? To be ready to give an answer. So it's kind of hard for us to not be ashamed and address certain things if we really don't know. And, and, and sometimes we hear, but we hear through the lenses of our feelings. Remember we talked about on Sunday, the nat- that natural person, we hear through our feelings. So we bend what we hear to soothe ourselves as opposed to hearing the truth for us and those that we have to deliver it to. All right. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 6, very familiar scripture around here. So, so, so I'm going I'm to I'm connect Matthew 5, 6, and Matthew 10 here. So 5, 6 says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Right? So, so again, as I'm going out here not being ashamed, I don't have to get all convicted if people are running from me and not trying to hear the truth. People that are hungry and thirsty after righteousness shall be fed. Now, I'll give you that because that connects to Matthew 10. Let's go over to Matthew 10. And I'll just read that. Matthew 10, we're going to start at verse verse. 11. All right, before this, he tells them to go out and uh, gather the lost sheep of the house of Israel, right? Then he tells them to preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely you should give, right? That's what he, that, that's, 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 he starts off. Take no script for your journey. Uh, don't take two coats. What he's saying is don't be prepared. Just go out. You're going to be led. It'll be given to you what to say, right? And then it's verse 11. It says, and in whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who it is is worthy. So pay attention to everybody you're exposed to. Right? Be sensitive to your audience, basically. It says, and there abide till ye go thence. So in other words, when you... When you're around people that are hungry and thirst after, thirsty after righteousness, spend time sharing with them, right? It says, when you come into a house, salute it or bless it. It says, and if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it, not, but if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you, right? And it says, and whosoever shall not receive you, look, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of the house, of, out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city, because they're actually getting the word. Sodom and Gomorrah, they they just got so wild. It was like, okay, we just need to just wipe them out, but. You're given an opportunity not to be wiped out, and you're rejecting it. So he says, 
Dust the sand off your feet. See, now it's hard. Some, we want to strive, <laughs> right? Well, if people aren't hungry and thirsty, I'm not going to be ashamed. And if they don't receive, I'm going to dust the sand off my feet and move on. See, I'm going to, as the scripture says, don't cast your pearls to swine. I'm going to go share with people that, listen, it's not like we ran out of people that, that want to receive, that we got to spend all our time with the people that don't. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we're spending all this effort like, well, everybody else receiving. We just got to get these people. No, there's plenty of people that's going to need plenty of your time that are hungry and thirsty. So you can, you can utilize your time to gather those souls, right? You see that? Uh, I'm going to read this out of Amplified. It says, whatever city or village you enter, ask who in it is worthy. Look, who welcomes you and your message. Those, those are the people that are worthy. It says, stay at, stay at his house until you leave that city. As you go into the house, give it your greeting. That is, peace be to this house. If the family living in the house is worthy, welcoming you and your message, give it your blessing of peace. That is a blessing of well-being and prosperity, the favor of God. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace, right? Whoever does not welcome you nor listen to your message as you leave that house or city, shake the dust of it off your feet in contempt, breaking all ties. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city since it rejected the Messiah's message. Right? That's scripture. Oh, we should be more understanding. You can use all that energy for the hungry and thirsty. Right? So, so, so to operate in this not being ashamed, of course, as we talked about, we're going to need some Pastor Melody. We're going to operate. We're going to have to be able to operate in boldness, right? In John chapter 7, verse 26, it says, he spake boldly and they said nothing, right? In Matthew 14, 28, you know, it took some boldness to walk on the water, right? It took a level of boldness to walk out there on the water. Uh, Lou said when his message, courage to act innovatively. You know, ain't nobody walked on the water before, <laughs> right? It just took a level of boldness, you know, not worrying about what the fellas think. They didn't go out. Not worrying about what, like, okay, I'll go if you go. We do too much of that. Then you may never go because ain't nobody going. Sometimes you got to go. Uh, taught a message a long time ago, somebody's got to go. Yeah, somebody in, in, in the circle of, of people that I was rolling with, family, friends, or whatever in Newark, somebody had to go. But, but the thought process is everybody had to remain in Newark. Maybe, maybe people were supposed to remain there. I appreciate Newark. I actually got a little backdrop of Newark on the website preparing for the book. But I had to go. Right? I had to go to do what God told me to do. Moses had to go to the mountain. He came back to minister, but he had to go to the mountain. <laughs> right? Uh, let's, let's look at 
1 Thessalonians 2, verse 2. 1 Thessalonians, and just for the sake of time, I'm going to read that, okay? Would you please write that scripture down? It says, but even after that we have suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with, with much contention. So we got contention, but we still was bold to speak the gospel to you. Right, the Amplifier says this, classic Amplifier says, it says, but though we had already suffered and been outrageously treated at Philippi, you know, that's why he wrote the letter to the Philippians. He says, as you know, yet in the strength of our God, we summon courage to proclaim to you unfalteringly the good news, the gospel with earnest contention and much conflict and great opposition. So no matter how, what level it came at us, we just dug deep for more boldness in God. That's why they said in Acts, grant unto us boldness, right? In Acts chapter 4, right? The scripture says, be of good courage in uh, Joshua 1.8. You know, even when Hannah was praying for the blessing, you know, because she was barren, you know, First uh, Samuel 2, you can just write it down and read it when you get a chance. Starting verse 1, she talked about, listen, I've been boldly representing you. So she came before him boldly because I'm representing you boldly. Right? You know, she says, my mouth is open wide to speak boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. <laughs> like, so I don't understand why. I can't receive what I'm requesting. I'm representing you. But sometimes we're not fully representing him, but we, we're, we're, we're trying to do a Hannah and not operate in the details of Hannah's life. She was not ashamed. <laughs> right? Now, it's so interesting in Mark chapter 4, uh, 4 through 6, Mark, Mark, chapter six, six uh, Mark chapter 6, 4 through 6, you know, even Jesus, you know, he's coming to his hometown. The scripture says he couldn't do many mighty works. That means he's coming to his town and he had a lot of people. Man, man, please, man, get out of here. Man, I know him, man. Listen, you see this porch? He fixed it. He's a carpenter. Man, please, man, don't believe that dude that says a prophet is only without honor in his own hometown. But you still have to be unashamed. I remember the first funeral I did, uh, it's my nephew's funeral. It's the first funeral I did in Newark. And I remember I, I was really, I was praying. I wanted to make sure I, I, I shared the word right. But, I was, but what I was processing through is I was like, okay, how is this going to go over? You know, because you know, I know the crowd, you know, tough crowd. Like I know, and, I, and then there's a lot of people I knew that was going to know me, <laughs> you know, or how I was and stuff like that. So I was like. You know, because it could easily be like, man, please, man. I remember you used to do such and such. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I taught on something about time, eternal life or something. Uh, but, man, it was, it was powerful. And what it was is I wasn't ashamed. I wasn't ashamed to tell the whole story. So a lot of people related because when I started talking about my process, they were already in that process. You see what I'm saying? But if I... If I had my business or certain things I wasn't going to share, I could stop them 
from actually getting through. So I had to be totally vulnerable and transparent. And I was talking about how I believed and why I didn't believe the Lord and why I wouldn't go to church and uh, how I almost died in a club and how, how I was wilding out and, and chasing sex and different things like that. And, I, and then I started to go. I said, oh, th- th- y'all know I was, I'm telling the truth because you was there when I was there, you know, so I'm going through. And I could see lights going like, well, wait a minute. If, if he believes God like he believes God, and I've seen how he was flowing. I've seen his bitterness, the chip on his shoulder. I've seen his carelessness with his life, not caring if he lived or not. I'm not seeing that person right there. It's like when, uh, when uh, Benny Hinn's dad heard him speak for the first time. Was, you know, Benny Hinn wouldn't go home. He finally got home. His dad said, I want the Jesus you have. He said, because that wasn't my Benny up there. And he hadn't spoken when he gave his life to the Lord. He hadn't spoken in a couple of years. And so his dad said, that wasn't my Benny up there. My Benny stutters. Benny Hinn, I forgot he was stuttering. God had healed him with a stutter. And so when his dad came up there, he's like, I don't know who that is, but that can't be my son. My son does not speak with that level of articulation. My son is self-conscious every time he opens his mouth. That can't be my boy. And I guarantee there was people going, I don't know who that is, but that ain't Keith Bradley. <laughs> ain't Keith Bradley I know. So whatever Jesus is doing, I remember my brother said it one time. He says, man, whatever you're doing obviously is working for your life. Now, the scenario was somebody was coming at me, and I just kept apologizing. And then they just kept coming at me. And I was like, okay, apologize. On the inside, I was like, uncle, uncle. But no matter what, I just kept apologizing. And I looked at my brother. He was like, just looking at me. And I was like, what's going on? He said, evidently, whatever you're doing is working. Because my brother would never let nobody talk to him like that. But I ain't had no shame. Yeah, I did that. Yep, did that too. Yep, did exactly that. Yeah, stupid, wasn't it? Not, no, you don't understand. I, I didn't really do what you said. I thought I did, but what happened was, well, that's exactly what I did and exactly the way I did it. And that ministered to somebody. See, God's not unjust to forget our labor of love. Okay, hold on. Let's go here. Let's go Hebrews 6. Let's go to Hebrews 6. Again, it's all about not being ashamed. And remember, God gives us, gives us advanced information, right? <laughs> We're going to need it. <laughs> Coming soon to a conversation near you. All right, so uh, Hebrews 6, verse 10. Hebrews 6, verse 10. It says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, Okay. It says, what you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So you always hear the scripture, God's not unjust to forget your labor of love. Look at the rest of it. Your labor of love is what you have showed towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. You're not ashamed. You're representing. You're constantly ministering. You know, you know God is, is, is not unjust to forget our willingness to not be ashamed of the gospel. So, so the goal here is to represent what we represent, right? To live and represent, not being ashamed, represent what we represent. 
you know, 1 Thessalonians 5 says to avoid the appearance of evil. So sometimes people got to go, I don't understand what's wrong with that. I wasn't trying to do that. Well, I don't, that's not the way I look at it. Well, if I'm representing God, everybody don't have the time to know how I'm looking at it. They're going by what I've displayed. So if I look promiscuous, they don't have time to go, oh, they're probably just really meant well. They don't know. They're going, what kind of Christian is going to do that? See, that's the tough part when we go, well, you know, they didn't mean that. They didn't do that and the other. Represent what you represent. Don't be nowhere near looking like them and say you're trying to represent God. That's what the scripture is saying. Avoid the very appearance of evil. So that means you're not evil, but you appear to be. You're not in lust, but you appear to be. You're not promiscuous, but you appear to be. Right? You're not wilding out, but you appear to be. Right? It says, don't let your good be evilly spoken of. Don't put yourself in a situation and around people where all they see is the crowd and they see you with them. See, this is the thing as we continue to grow. It's not, it's not just about what we can handle. Because a lot of times we do things that don't represent and we say, well, you know, I believe I can handle it. It's not about what you can handle. It's about our kids, our friends, and our followers, can they handle it? See, we ain't thinking about that. So we do something. Now, I shared this with somebody earlier today. I said, well, I used to drink. And then I, you know, started living for God. Then I started to discuss, I started to use, I've said this before, half of the scripture, be not drunk with wine where it's excess. Well, I'm communicating this philosophy to people. I don't drink no more. Some people, they got liver issues because they continue to, they couldn't just let it go. Some people got in a car accidents because they couldn't let it go. So we're communicating our personal preference and our philosophies for certain situations. Some people, ain't nothing wrong with watching little porn here and there. You don't watch it no more because you got the revelation, but they can't let it go. But they even got, a, they started tasting it because of you. Because you were, wasn't sharing the gospel, you were sharing your personal preference, right? So it's not about if you can handle it or not. And sometimes we're not in reality there. It's about can your kids, your friends, and your followers handle it? You know, what, what is it? What about the children, right? What about the children? What about the youth? And, and, and when I think about children and youth, can I boldly represent Christ before them or am I ashamed? Because I'm going to tell you something about youth. I was thinking about this. We was walking out of the restaurant the other day, some young kids sitting there. So probably could have been, you know, how we was dressed. I didn't have skinny, skinny jeans on and whatever. So, you know, I worked with you for a long time. So I know how uh, they just... Every little thing, they're looking for chinks in your armor. You walk up to them, why are you wearing that? So you, you pull the reflex, oh, what, what, what? This ain't cool? I'm wearing it because I like it. That's why I'm wearing it. 
Everybody ain't trying to do all that. See, y'all, oh, that's old. You know, talking to some youth and it's like, that's old. Don't nobody really live like that. God is the same yesterday and day forevermore. You're going to see how old it is when you start going through the struggles and the pain of your compromise. So you're going to be looking for what you call an old. You know, <laughs> like, but again, they just haven't seen uh, or witnessed because David was young when he was doing things. So many people in the Bible was young, right? Are our lives a witness for them? Because if our lives are not a witness for them, and we're ashamed of God, how do they see God? Some people won't even see God unless they see it through you. So when you're, you're in that gathering and, and, and you decide to shrink, that was their opportunity to see God because you're the only person to represent God in the atmosphere. So you hid the only opportunity God may have had to minister to that person because you shrunk. They got you to laugh or to agree to something that ain't even Christian. Because you was ashamed, you didn't want to look bad in the crowd, you know, because this is your networking, right? Not your net casting. <laughs> what we doing? Are we casting the net or are we networking? <laughs> this is what we doing, right? Uh, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. And so that's why we're training up our children. We're training up them to represent and not be ashamed. But we have to be, give them the, the, the wisdom and the tactfulness of how to be a matter of fact, how to communicate, how to reverse peer pressure so they can actually not be ashamed of the gospel in their communities too, right? That's why God said, I know my servant, Genesis 18, 19, I know my servant Abraham, how he's going to lead his family. He ain't ashamed of me. So that's why Abraham got so much, so much blessing and favor. You know, I was sharing this with a guy working out the other day. So I've, I've been navigating in the mornings because somebody wanted to work out. So I'm working out with him, but I'm also <laughs> listening to the Bible study call. So a lot of times he hears me. When I comment, he'll hear the comment, but he don't know what I'm commenting to. But, you know, it was, you know, we were talking and he was like, okay, you just said such and such. So then we, we, we start talking about it. But sometimes I kind of miss, I might miss the question because he might be talking, the question go forth. So then I'm responding and be like, did he hear the question? <laughs> no, he didn't, right? But I told him something. I said, you know, what we were talking about yesterday, whatever we was talking about yesterday, I said, well, the day before I said I said, listen, the reason why we're walking through all this, I said, because the Bible says, teach them when they sit it down, when they walk up by the way, when they stand up, bind it upon their neck. So while I was telling them, I said, I said, would you want to challenge yourself not just to talk about God? You talk about God. You believe in God. You come to church from time to time. I said, you want to be in a community. This is where we struggle. We struggle to get in the community. Like we have our own isolated relationship. But you got to see, there's accountability in the community. There's responsibility in the community. Right? There's direction in the community. So now you just can't see by myself, I can throw out anything. And I can tell myself it's okay. Or I can be around that one person that just wants to please me. And they're going to tell me it's okay. But in the community, 
Did you just, what did you just say? Could you break that down? That's not, a, that's not something you run from. That's what you run to. Because now you're navigating in truth, not your own fantasies, lies, and what you're telling yourself. Are we talking about renewing the mind? That's what you want to be in community. But some of us are ashamed to be in a, be in a community. To, to, to just, you know, people pick with, with the sisters sometimes, they ask questions and they still stand there. And they're growing through community. And I was, telling, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, listen, man, I, I, I was talking about the Bible study fellowship. I said, everybody ain't scholars. I said, but everybody's allowed to ask whatever question. But some people go, based on how somebody's challenged on a question, because, again, some people ask questions, but some people are questioning. And then, but they, they can do that, too. But you're going to get a different response if you're questioning versus if you're asking a question. But you should. That's what family does. So you're getting a customized answer because you already got your mind made up. You ain't really asking a question. You ever, you, you ever hear somebody ask a question and then give you a whole breakdown when they ask the question? Almost like they're selling their angle before you answer. Because they really don't want to change what they're doing. Well, in family... We weave through that and we go, well, hold on a second. Let's go back to the question, you know, and let's weed through the momentum in already in a direction. So now that person walks away with, man, you just won't let me get away with that, huh? But they grow. Then you got the person just flat out just ask a question and wait to get responses. But everybody's allowed. That's what family is. We think family is, well, like everybody comes in with, they got this list of how not to make you look bad or how not to embarrass you. That ain't family. That don't even happen in your house. Growing up, that ain't happening in your house. You did something great. You, you, your mom and dad like, <laughs> now they worse. You, you know, you're not just stupid, right? That was just stupid. It was dumb, stupid. Like, what, what was you thinking? Like, you know, like, but nobody's like, is your feelings Okay. But you come to church and it's like, hey, ho, ho, for your open your mouth, consider my feelings. And then what you do is your feelings were right here at first, right? They were like, right, that was close. So, so for somebody to really touch you, they had to get really, they had to hit you hard. But then after a while, you start changing the line, right? You move your feelings out here a little bit, right? So now if somebody get this in this proximity, that's going to hurt. Then you're like, Nah, that's too close too. Then you move the feelings out. The feelings are at the door. You right here be like, hey, listen, man, hey, them. be sensitive to my feelings. Can't nobody get nowhere near your heart. So you ain't gonna get nowhere near the truth. You see what I'm saying? Like, but you just, you, you, we got this thing set up sweet. Hey, 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 oh, you almost got to my feelings now, watch it. So is it, am I, do I really want the truth or do I wanna be comfortable? Uh, for the people uh, watching online, Zymane said, comfortable. And guess what? It's okay for Zymane to say comfortable. Because Zymane is what, 10? Uh, well, you, you're talking like you're 10. But he's 11, okay? But we, we, we like 50 saying the same thing, comfortable. Like he spoke out what some people were thinking. 
Comfortable, comfortable, comfortable. Right? That's not going to help us, right? This is the thing because we can't teach them what we haven't lived or aren't living. And so we can't expect them to represent God if we're not going to represent God. Do you understand? It takes boldness and it takes being unashamed not to drift as a parent. Because what, what your kids filter into your household is all the noise. Because they're young, so they succumb to peer pressure. And then once they succumb to the peer pressure, now they feel stuck. They're not. And then they come to the house, and now they, they need to pull you into the same peer pressure. Well, I can't possibly do that because the people, go, my, my friends are going to think such and such. And it's our job to redirect that, but we kind of, well, I don't want to make, I don't want I don't want to chase them away. So we soothe them being trapped and stuck. And, and we're training them to be ashamed. Now when things get worse, they ain't going to tell you nothing because they're, they're now engulfed by shame. But we're supposed to teach them how to be sincere, display the cracks. So no matter what the situation is, Listen, I'm going to tell you this, and I already know it's going to be stupid when I tell you. I already know it's dumb. They got me. They got me, though, Mom. They got me. They got me again. I don't know how they did it. I said they weren't going to get me, and they got me. And then you talk through it, and then you tell them how they got you and how you get through it. See, I, see, I, see, I, I switched up on y'all. I said you tell them how they got you and how you get through it. See, I went from the past to the present on y'all. Y'all got to pay attention up in here. Because you dealt with peer pressure, operated in shame, and have took that into workplaces. And so the same thing they're dealing with at school, you're dealing with it at the job. But you're talking to them like, yeah, you need to get yourself together. You know, you're just operating to level of bowling. Don't just let, don't just succumb to peer pressure. And, 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 and the whole time, <laughs> You're dealing with the same thing at the job, <laughs> with the business, with the, with the friends, all right? But you're trying to tell them they don't believe you because you don't believe it. You see, we got to walk and operate in boldness. I sent my son a text today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share this. You don't mind, son. See, text messages. I didn't just send it to him, but. Uh, so okay, Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20, you know, set before you life and death, blessings and curses, choose life, right? Here, let's go there. Deuteronomy 30, it's a little audible. The Lord woke me up this, with this this morning, like before even the Bible study fellowship. So I had to put this down um, and he told me who to send it to. Says I call I call heaven and earth uh, to record this day against you that I have set before you life and life and death right blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both you and thy seed children may live right verse twenty that thou may have loved look so after he said I set before you life and death he says that thou may have loved the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice. And that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, the length of thy days, that thou mayest 
Dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them, right? So I gave him that. I gave him Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All things will be added. And I gave him Matthew 7.13. This is, talks about the uh, narrow is the way, right? That leads to life and peace, brought us the way to destruction, right? So then after I gave him the three scriptures, this is how I send messages to my grandkids, my sons and friends or whatever. I, I wrote this statement. Anyone can choose God when there is no other options. God wants us to choose him in the midst of temptation, just like we want God to choose us for his blessings, favor, and purpose. Then I gave him Matthew twenty-two fourteen. Many are called, but few are chosen. I believe the people chosen are the people that what? That choose God in the midst of temptation. Anybody can choose God and there's nothing else to choose. Anybody can choose God when they're struggling. How about choosing God when you're blessed? When you have plenty of options. In the midst of temptation. Oh, that's nice, but it's nothing like my God. And, you know, the Lord let me share that with him and I shared it with my grandchildren too this morning. Right? And so... But if I'm not, my, you know, I don't even know if I want to share his response. It wasn't bad. Um, you know, just thanking me for sending the scripture. Well, my son ain't listening to that scripture if that's not how I live. If he doesn't see, I mean, you know what he'll be like? What are you sending that to me for? He should have sent it to himself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You choose God in the midst of temptations before you start sending something to me. Right? Right? You know, and when we was talking, he was asking me how I was doing. And, you know, I said, hey, son, I'm doing wonderful. Hope you're doing great and praying you're moving with God yourself. So basically, I'm saying I'm doing wonderful because I'm moving with God. And I'm praying you're moving with God. And he was like, you know, um, he was saying that. Yes, he's still moving, <laughs> you know, still moving with God, right? But he's not, that don't even have no impact if I'm not moving with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not just for family, but friends, coworkers, like we got to represent. Like it's, it's, it's our job to represent. We can't drift on represent. You know, so we got to watch who we're around. First Corinthians uh, 15.33, even communications corrupt good manners. Right, I'm going to read this last thing and then we'll be, we'll close out for the day. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. You know, I just was led to just take, take my... T- take my time or take our time and not, you know, you know, I don't know if it's super revelation or anything, but just some practical things for us to, you know, be able to handle some things that's coming our way. So we'll start here with verse 7. Psalm 37, starting with verse 7. It says, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, right? Fret, oh, this is, okay, this is good. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, 
because of the man who, who bringeth wicked devices to pass. So it's saying, don't fret because people look like they're prospering and they ain't doing right. Verse 8, it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. So it says, first, don't, don't be concerned because people aren't doing right and it look like they're getting over, right? But it says, it's telling us, don't get, ten, don't, get, don't get angry and don't get tempted to do evil thinking, well, they're getting away with it. Maybe I should just do that too. Verse 9, it says, for evildoers, it's saying, this is why. You haven't seen it yet. Sins against the evil work is not executed speedily. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Now, remember, we've been talking about through this week. Well, I think you even asked the question, well, why is God allowing this? And I, and I responded, Ecclesiastes 8, sins against the evil work. You know, let God, he's, he's a God of love. He lets things play out. But you don't want to start doing what they're doing, saying, look like they're enjoying themselves. They're getting away with it. Because it's saying, you know, the evildoer shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit or possess the earth. It's for, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. He says, like, consider where they are, but consider, understand it, that's temporary. Right? That won't last. This is Bible. Verse 11, it says, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in, an, in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just. So it's saying also people are coming at you and gnashes upon them with his teeth. Almost like the wicked almost feel like they're in hell to even deal with you as a just person. And so they can't help to figure out something to make you pay for that smile on your face. Your blessed and highly favored face. Your everything's wonderful. I'm doing great. How you doing, Pastor Keith? Wonderful. Ooh. If I hear you say wonderful one more time, Pastor Melanie, if you smile at me one more time, oh, everything is wonderful. You love the Lord. Everything is so happy. You're content. <laughs> right? It says, verse 13, it says, verse 13 says, hey, that's your clip, I guess, right? It says, uh, it says, the Lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming. Right? So the Lord is not like, oh my God, what are they doing? The Lord is like, really? Like, your day is coming. Verse 14, the wicked have drawn out the sword. They have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation or manner of living. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. So everything that they set up, a weapon formed against you will not prosper, it's going to backfire on them. It says, it says, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. So even what little we have is greater than anything somebody's wicked is operating, operating in. Verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken and the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. 
It says, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. It says, but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. It says, they, uh, they shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. Right, so again, we don't have to be ashamed of representing. You're going to get mocked. Sometimes people are going to seem like they're going to sabotage you. Some people are going to can't stand your brilliance and your boldness. When you hear me say brilliance, there's a brightness on people that are in the kingdom of God. You know, there's a, there's a lightness about them. You know, just go ahead and represent. Let that light shine. Don't hide it under a bushel because... You know, it's just too much, man. You know, people just keep coming at me. You know, I've, I have people that have told me, you know, every time I start making a move to live for the Lord, all types of stuff start happening. Yeah, but the Bible already said what your outcome is going to be. It don't make a difference how it looks. You win. Right? Because you're representing God. You never, the Bible says you receive double for your shame. You never lose willing to be ashamed, willing to look bad. But some of us, we talk about renewing our mind. We're going to have to renew our mind from I'm only going to do things if I look good. And I'm only going to receive things if I can receive it without looking bad. Like we spent our, all, all our life just trying not to look bad. Well, how are you going to represent God? Because sometimes you're going to have to look bad, go through stuff, look like you, you, look like you crucified. So you could be resurrected in, in that life, that person's life is impact. Right? It's going to look like uh, we was building a house. So, so, so we went to get the house. We, 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 they, they built the house. They, they almost finished it, 30 days out. You got to have your house sold, but they'll put your house on the market. You know, just in case your house don't sell because they're trying to sell a house. So I was like, babe, that's our house. <laughs> Ain't nothing going to happen. A week later, they sold the house. So, so I had told my wife, don't, don't tell people. So she was, she was telling everybody. So then we built the second house. They said, we normally wouldn't do this, but we're going to build the second house for you. Same thing, 30 days come up. I was like, well, no way that's happening twice. A week later, they sold the house. So we done built two houses that we didn't move in. My wife found a scripture, you shall build houses and, and not dwell in them. You know, I was like, babe, you know, goodly house and not dwell in them. So then, so then we found another house and, and we built that house. Now, during this process, there was a family member that wasn't really trying to feel the gospel. We always talk about the Lord. They weren't feeling it. So we go to visit the house. We're in the basement. I'm in the basement with the husband. And husband said, uh, you finished your house? They were building a house too. So he already knew. So uh, what happened with your house? I said, well, no, we built it and uh, they sold it. I didn't, I didn't make nothing up. Because what I'm thinking is no matter what I say, I'm with God. I'm going to win. So I didn't make up no excuses. My wife said, hey, what are we going to tell the people? You know, <laughs> we built two houses. I said, we're going to tell them we built two houses and, and, and they sold them. You know, and so he had this look that day like, Come on, Mr. Christian. What happened to your house? And then they, they, they built and finished their house before us. And he just had, you know, you can see the smirk. Like, I'm not celebrating your Jesus like you. I'm in my house. 
how about you? <laughs> you know, then we found a house. Uh, it was so phenomenal. The interest rate hadn't at that time dropped. You know, it's, you know, it's been moving now, but it hadn't dropped that low in 30 years. Uh, the house was $35,000 less than the houses we was building. And it was, what, 700 or 1,000 square feet larger or something like that. Yeah, and it had more stuff in it. Huge. The bedroom was like an apartment. So here it worked, it worked out phenomenally for us. You know, but that's a testimony. Which some, you got to be willing to look bad. And it was a testimony because people saw the entire process. We didn't hide that. All right? All right, so I just want to share that with you guys today, uh, just on this message, not ashamed. Uh, any thoughts? Anything stood out for you? Any, any area or place you were challenged or just realized anything? Anybody care to share? <laughs> 